Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. And welcome to another episode of The Fumble. It's me, Vernon Kerr, with him, Darren Judith Chalmers Fletcher. I apologise, first off the bat, I apologise for not being with you last week. We did that epic interview with Alistair Kirkwood. We wanted that to settle in. We wanted you to absorb it, consume it, take it on board and listen to what Alistair had to say. But not only that, Darren was off on these jolly travels. His passport got absolutely battered. Uh, let's hope he collected some memorabilia from the NFL on the way. But Darren, uh, just explain to us your road trip. What did it involve? Where did you go? Who did you see? Well, I had a brilliant road trip, actually. I've got to say, one of the things that I enjoyed doing while I was on the road trip was listening in depth to your chat with Alistair. I thought he was brilliant. I thought you were brilliant. As an NFL fan in the UK, it was everything that I needed to hear, everything I wanted to hear. And the thing that came out more than anything is that we're in good hands because the passion that came through from him, the knowledge, the desire to make it work. You kind of know by listening to that that everything's going to work out okay and we're going to be fine moving forward and all the things we want to get, we're going to get because he's going to make sure we get it. So well done you on doing that. And and I know it's been received fantastically by the NFL community in the UK. So give yourself a massive pat on the back. Wasn't it good? Wasn't it interesting that he kind of put his job on the line and took that gamble to bring the NFL to the UK. But that's the only way anybody was going to do it. But to do that, you need bravery, don't you? And the successful people in life are prepared to take a chance. And he was prepared to back himself. He was prepared to believe in the product. And I think more importantly, he was prepared to believe in the fan base in the UK, being able to support his dream. And and it it came out hugely um, that that process had, had been followed through. And I was proud of him. Proud of you. It was just great to listen to. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was nice. And I think that's why it annoys us uh, collectively, everyone here at the Fumble, that uh, UK NFL fans give Alistair a little bit of stick for, you know, the merchandise, importing issue. Yes, we get that. And then Game Pass was an issue last season. We get that. But at the heart of NFL UK is a man whose sole purpose in that office is to make NFL fans need for nothing. And I think that came across. Vern, we live in a blame culture. It's always somebody's fault. I mean, the, now you can't be involved in a car accident and it be an accident anymore. It's got to be somebody's fault. <laughs> so if somebody goes into the back end of you, you know, the guy in front might have slammed his brakes on, but it's your fault because you were behind. I mean, I don't quite know how it works. We, we've managed to generate this blame culture. So poor old Alistair, the minute something isn't 100% correct in the NFL, it's his fault. I mean, he's not in charge of game pass. He can't do anything about that. You know, they're trying to do their best. And he's the guy that everybody knows and sees and he's visible and he's out there. So he's the one that everybody gravitates towards when things aren't right. But I just kind of think sometimes you've got to be careful what you wish for. And if we didn't have him, you know, riding the bus, driving the boat, doing whatever he's doing, we wouldn't be in the situation that we're in now. He's the right person at the right time for that job. And his success is there for everybody to see. You know, we are now talking about when, not if, we get an NFL franchise in London, which is absolute cloud cuckoo land 
15, 20 years ago. Just, it's not happening. You know, that's like me saying to you now, give it 20 years, Vernon, a Premier League team will be playing in New York City. You would say I'm totally mad. And I don't think there's anybody out there that could drive that through. Yep. So he's done that. We've got it. We've got to enjoy it. And he deserves such a deal of credit for doing that with David Tossell, with the other people in the office. But he's been the driving force all the way through it. Brilliant. And also, you know... Let's not toss it to one side. We should also give a big up to Neil Reynolds as well because he works his socks off in that office to give fans all the information, uh, all the latest updates, you know. And people say, oh, someone dropped a comment the other day. Why why do you keep bigging up Neil when he's on a rival podcast? He's not on a rival podcast. (laughs) You have to remember that the NFL community, the NFL fans, we're all in it together. I want Neil's podcast to be as successful as the number one podcast in the iTunes charts. I want this to have the same success because what we need to do as a collective is spread the word of this brilliant game. Well, it's not only a game, this brilliant world that we consume when we sit down on a Sunday at six o'clock and take in all the NFL action. And uh, all those people in the office, we've said our piece. I hope the Super Bowl tickets are in the post. Thank you very much, all the team. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. We've, we've, we've patted you back uh, yeah. uh, enough times now. Uh, so thank you. No, but seriously, let, let, seriously, let me, seriously, just, seriously, we mean on. it. We mean it. Yeah, those guys in the office work the balls off for us. And let me just echo your point about Neil, because I think the big thing that he's done, and he's an easy target again, because he's the one on the TV. He's the you face know, of the NFL in the UK. Is. Of course he is. And I tell you what he's done. He's taken us forward. So he's modernised the coverage. He's improved the coverage. There's more intelligence about it now. You know, we've gone on from rolling a turkey out on Thanksgiving with a Pittsburgh Steelers tie. Now we're covering the game, aren't we? We're doing yeah. it properly. And yeah. he's done that. His passion and knowledge has gone in there and done that. So... We want him to succeed. He is succeeding. He's great. He's our mate. So that's that. End exactly. On. Exactly. So, uh, Darren, the trip, where did you yes. start off? How did all oh. this come about? So, my mate got a job during the summer in San Francisco to work for a company in San Francisco, um, Silicon Valley. He does something within electronics. He sells headsets and that kind of thing for a company called Jabra. So, he got the opportunity to go and live out there. Within two months, he'd sold the house sorted everything out and gone, which I thought was astonishing. So well done to him. His name's Lee. So I've not seen him since. So I jumped on a couple of cheap flights, Norwegian Airlines, by the way. If you're going to go and watch the NFL on the West Coast or go to America, check out Norwegian Airlines because they literally give the flights away. You can't get a train ticket first class from Nottingham to London for the price you can get a direct flight into Oakland. So it makes it really manageable for everybody to go and do. All right, well, hang on, hang on. Whilst you're giving it the old uh, uh, travel vlog or blog or whatever they call it, um, legroom, were were you up the front or, or did you turn right? I went left because I've got a bad back. So All right, I've good lads. Sure, got to make sure that the uh, the back was okay. A Norwegian Airlines can provide enough legroom. Is it one of them bed things? Superb. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Big recliners, like lazy boy recliners. Superb. Nice. So, right. so, so, the, so, the, it, put it this way: for, for NFL fans who are looking to make a trip, you have the opportunity. A one-way flight, so the flight out into Oakland direct was 144 quid, what? and the flight. What? Yeah. Yes, the flight back was 115 back. Uh, on the lazy they, boy chair. No, for the lazy right. boy chair, you paid another 300 quid at the airport. Now, normally, you'd pay a couple of grand for a business class flight to the US. So for 450 quid, you could go business both ways. So for the price of a normal economy flight, you've got to return business flight. Hang That's on. how cheap they are. They are not. Norwegian Airlines need to speak to their business manager because they, are not, they are not making a profit. Let me tell you, though, pal, <laughs> I was on a flight to Oakland on a Thursday afternoon, and I thought this is going to be empty. It was full. And I came back on the Tuesday night, overnight, thinking nobody will be on this one. It was full. So people are using the airline, and the service was brilliant. So wow. if you're an NFL fan and you fancy a trip to the US, check them out because it'll make the trip a lot, a lot cheaper for everybody. So that was great. So I flew into Oakland, and the first night I got some tickets through BT Sports to go and see the basketball. So I went to see the Golden State Warriors. Uh, they lost to Milwaukee, and the big ticket, the franchise, Kevin Garnett, was sat behind me, which was great. And he bombed everybody out. Wouldn't have a picture with the kids. Nothing. He was an awful individual. Awful. <laughs> so, so I was really looking forward to seeing Kevin Garner. Dead excited. He was a horrible man. So I'd never want his name mentioned in my presence again. <laughs> when, he's, when, when you're turning down kids who just want a picture or they want something signed in and you just can't be bothered. 
that was just banging out of order. So I didn't like that. Um, Friday, nothing. Saturday, I went to see LeBron James and the Lakers. They played against Sacramento, which is really nearby. Then it got serious. We went to the uh, Oakland Coliseum on Sunday, which is dropping to pits, by the way. If you rub the walls, the concrete comes off in your hands. So we went to see the Raiders against the Chargers. MC Hammer lit the flame, which was brilliant. So MC Hammer's up there lighting the Al Davis flame. We're in this particular section where two Raider fans had to be separated because they were going to fight with each other because they <laughs> drank so much. The section next to me was unbelievable. It, 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 was, it was like being in a, a Premier League ground or a football league ground. It was like a, a football, our football atmosphere. Really? Super. Great. They were all kicking off. They're all pissed. It was tremendous. You never really see you never that. you never ever 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 uh, see that in the NFL. But I've heard uh, the, I've heard the stories about uh, the the Raiders uh, fans. Wow, mate, it's crazy. They're all dressed up. They've all got skeleton masks on. They're all banjo. And you know when you go to London, you get the thing on the scoreboard that says any antisocial behaviour. Text this number. Yeah. They just don't bother with that. <laughs> they don't bother with that. There's not enough people in there to, to do it. You'd be texting all the time. It's all <laughs> kicking off around you. Stadium shot it, but it's super. You can sit there and you can you can visualise John Madden on the sideline. You, know, you can visualise Marcus Allen making the run. You can see Ken Stabler scrambling around. It's great. You can feel it. It's full of history. The tailgate was was off the charts. It was just tremendous. And, and then uh, uh, when you what? were there, when you were there, Darren, in the tailgate and milling around, did you? Uh... Did you accentuate your English accents? Did you become all James Bond? No, I just kept my head down and I wandered through because you just didn't know which one was going to knock you out first. <laughs> you, just to, you just kind of carried on going. And then on the Monday night, got some tickets from StubHub, on, which was great. Really good seats, 50-yard line seats for not a great deal of cash for the 49ers and the Giants, which was a really good game. I really enjoyed seeing Mullins. Manning played really well. Barkley was Barkley. Beckham got a couple of touchdowns. And it was a great atmosphere. We sat next to two guys from New York. One was a, a Niner fan. One was a, a, a Giant fan. Brilliant. Um, great stadium. I'd been there for the Super Bowl. But, but it was a game where you looked at it and thought, these two are crap. But they served up a really good game. So I really enjoyed that. Um, had a really good spend up. Got loads of good stuff. And just had a whale of a time. It was absolutely tremendous. Now, uh, where were you for uh, the game of, of kind of, what they're calling it? The game of the ages. Where were you for Chiefs Rams? Were you here or were you still over there? I was in bed. Oh, mate. I'm, listen, I'm not going to blow it up beyond all proportion. I watched it the following morning. So, Monday night, I always Sky Plus it and I get up and watch it. First thing I do on a Monday morning. No, no, morning. Let's not talk too much about it, but Darren, I've told all of my friends who are NFL doubters that if you watch this game for just 10 minutes, you will be converted, or you will understand better why we're so passionate. Bless, Bless you. About, Bless this, you. about this game. It was well, mega, wasn't it? I think I'm going to make a bold statement here, um, and I've made a few this season. That I, I think that has to be the best NFL game I've ever seen. It was unbelievable. I thought the Super Bowl that we attended together in Minnesota was the best game I'd seen. But one thing that's been overlooked here, people say, well, there was no defence. There were three defensive touchdowns in the game. Look how many. There were eight, eight sacks, three interceptions. Aaron Donald won the NFL Defensive Player of the Year award on his own on Monday night. So, Darren, 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 we're big fantasy football fans, right? And yeah. if your team concedes 45 points or more, you lose minus 10 points. Yeah. You're deducted 10 points. Both defences had over 15 points. Exactly, exactly. That's yeah, how yeah. good they were. Both of these teams did actually play defence. So that was an element that's been overlooked. I mean, the two things I took away from it, one is that the Rams can win without Todd Gurley being dominant. He was held to 55 yards rushing by the Chiefs. Again, which is something that's being overlooked. You know, the fact that no other defence this year has managed to stop Gurley, but they did. But it proved to me that Jared Goff can stick the team on his shoulders and win a shootout, which I think is going to be important if they're going to get past the Saints in the NFC. The other thing, and it's a little bit of a downer, I think it proved to me that at this stage, and it's understandable, it's his second year in the NFL and his first year as a starter, that the big moments at the moment are just a little bit too big for Patrick Mahomes. Had the chance against New England and couldn't get it done. They had the ball twice at the end of the game, two different drives. All they needed was a field goal. And he couldn't quite do it. So I think as part of his development, the next step 
is to win a game like that against the very best. That will come. I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's an unbelievable talent. Do you, think, just... do you think that the interception that he threw at the end of the game, which obviously gave the Rams the game, do you think that was pressure? Do you think that's a flaw in his game? Because we've seen him numerous times now, dropping bombs left, right, centre, down the middle, uh, five yards, 50 yards. This guy, this kid can chuck an American football like nobody's yeah. business. He can absolutely launch it. I think he's got the flair and the finesse of Montana. I think he's got the cannon of an arm like uh, Dan Marino. And I think he's got that will to win like God, Tom Brady. I think he's got all those elements. However, I don't think, after the couple of games that you've talked about and after this game on Monday, I don't think he's got that fourth quarter, two minutes to go, nitty-gritty mentality that you need in a quarterback. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And I think with it being his first year as a starter, his second year in the league, that's the next stage of the development. I agree with everything you said about the component parts of, of Patrick Mahomes' game. But I think as well, he's almost a victim of his own success. And as you say, he's got such a good arm, arm talent, as they call it, and everything that he's touched this season's turned to gold, that he's quite rightly under centre with, with, with a minute to go. And he's thinking, well, I'll get a touchdown here. I'll, I'll send one down and I'll get Tyreek Hill. I'll get Travis Kelsey. We'll be OK. I think the supreme confidence that he's playing with at the minute just counted against him a little bit in the final 90 seconds of the game, that maybe you just needed to check down a bit, take the yards that were allowed. Drew Brees does it brilliantly. Aaron Rodgers does it brilliantly. Joe Montana did it the best of anybody I've ever seen. That you methodically work your way down the field, don't you, with 90 seconds to go. Yeah. You take what's there and you kick the field goal. It was just that his belief and his own ability that he could win it all with one play. So that's something he'll learn from. And I think, and I listened to a podcast in the US this week, and the point was, that they've lost to New England and they've lost to the Rams, but Kansas City probably looked the better team in both games. <laughs> so it's going to be hard for somebody to go through Arrowhead in the playoffs and beat them. I mean, they look like the Super Bowl team for me from the AFC, despite the fact they lost the other night. I thought it was brilliant. Well, let's, let's take a look at this playoff picture as it stands at the moment. Alex Smith has gone down with a broken leg, which was horrific on Sunday. Yeah. Another awful... Awful injury that we've seen. Another did, did, did you just just on that though? Did you see the irony of that with Joe Theismann in the stands? In the watching, stand watching. It was it was thirty three years to the day. I know that he was that Lawrence Taylor finished Joe Theismann's career. It's oh. astonishing, and it was what they call it. I've read about this this week. They call it a spiral fracture. It was a compound spiral fracture. So the bone's gone through the skin, oh. and, it, it, and it was shattered by being screwed, oh. Oh. so it twisted as it broke. Oh. Look, I, I, I'm saying to you now, at the stage of the career that Smith's at, it will be hugely impressive if he gets back to play again. I think that's a... When you talk about career threateners and career enders, you've got to put that into that bracket, simply because he's, what, 33, 34? He suffered a ridiculously serious leg injury... In, in terrible circumstances, you know, my thoughts are with him. But, you know, I, I think it'll be a long way back for him. I really do. I don't think you're going to, you know, see day one next season, Alex Smith trots out on the centre. I think it's going to be a long way back for him if he can get back. And it's a hammer blow to Washington, who look like they've got the division in their hands. But there's no way that Colt McCoy is going to get them through the playoffs. Not a chance. Well, I'm hoping that it's going to be carried on the shoulders of uh, Adrian Peterson because he's my fantasy number two running yes. back. But we will yes. see. We will see. He scored, he scored well at the weekend with Colt McCoy there. Uh, but let's take a look at the division as a whole. No one, even the Super Bowl champions, no one is impressing. Darren, what's going on? Well, you know, again, I, you know me. I spent most of the week listening to what they're saying across the pond in the US. And the general consensus is that teams that know how to win are rare in the NFL. So New England know how to win. So they win a Super Bowl and you know they're going to come back the following year and they're going to be a contender to win it again. Pittsburgh are the same. Pittsburgh are used to winning. Green Bay, they're a winning culture. Dallas, winning culture. Philadelphia aren't used to winning championships. And I think you've got a situation with them where they've all gone off and written the book. They've done every endorsement that they possibly can. They've started to believe their own hype. They're four and six. They've just got spanked by 40 against the Saints, which is the first time I think I'm right in saying that a defending Super Bowl champion has been hit for 40 points in the following season. So that's the biggest defeat I think a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl winning team's ever lost. What's worrying about that, Darren? Sorry to interrupt. What's worrying about that is it looked so easy oh, for Drew Brees so, and the Saints. So, so all, easy. But they're falling out amongst themselves. You've got, you know, Jenkins flipping off the, the opposition bench. I mean, it, 
they've just gone from being a team where you thought they got a real special ingredient that got them through last year to one that suddenly looks really dysfunctional. Mm. And I think, you know, missing Jay Ajayi is a big problem. Jay was the one they could turn to and hand the ball off. You've just mentioned Peterson. He probably would have had that effect at the moment on um, Philadelphia. They don't seem to know what to do to get Golden Tate in the game. To me, when you look at that division, I think it's a shootout almost between the Cowboys and the Giants. And I say that because I've got no faith whatsoever in Colt McCoy. And I think you can stick a line through the Eagles. The Giants now have won two straight. You know, eight and eight might well win this division. The Cowboys are there at five and five. They've got a good front seven. They've signed Amari Cooper. They've got Zeke Elliott. That's a little bit better. But the Giants at the moment, all of a sudden, have, have learned how to protect Eli Manning. I watched them in the flesh against the 49ers, who can get pressure on the quarterback. And Manning had a lot of time to throw. When he's got time to throw, he's going to find Odell Beckham. The holes are getting slightly bigger now for Saquon Barkley. They're not too bad on the defensive side of the ball. They might have to win out or certainly only lose one more. But I think the Giants can potentially get into this uh, because I'm not that convinced the Cowboys are going to do much more than go, I don't know, three and three, four and two the rest of the way. But also, you said that uh, several it's teams... It's a bad division. It's a yeah, bad division. It man. is, it is. But you also said that a lot of teams in the NFL, you mentioned the Patriots, you mentioned the Cowboys, you mentioned the Packers. They have a winning culture. And let's not forget, Eli Manning has won two Super Bowls. Yeah, I think it's that ability to win one and then make sure your off-season doesn't affect what you do the following year. And you see a lot of teams who win it for the first time and then they stink the following year. And you think, well, how's that happened? Because... They've essentially got the same roster. And everybody said at the end of last season, well, they've got the most talented roster in the league. It, 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 they can, they can stick, it, stick it out. They can go again. We've maybe not seen the best of them. Carson Wentz is coming back. But when you start your, your pre-season a month or so behind everybody else because you've been writing books, attending ceremonies, picking up awards, patting yourself on the back, you can't then go and compete in a league where parity is is there for everybody to see, where it's so competitive, where last to first is possible. You've got to give yourself the best opportunity to do that. And it looks to me as though the Philadelphia Eagles didn't do that. Mm. But also, we mentioned Eli Manning. You, you, this is a quarterback who, who I would imagine mentally, with all the people around him and things that are going on within the Giants, he's thinking that, hang on a minute, my job's on the line here. Even, yeah. even though I've signed a big deal, got a big contract... I'm a veteran of the game. I've won two Super Bowls. His job at the beginning of this season was 100% on the line. And this shocking start that they had, people saying it's over for Eli. This is his last season. You may as well enjoy him while you can. But now, like you say, the running back is producing. Uh, Odell Beckham is the go-to guy. They've got a def uh, 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 an offensive line which has booked its ideas up. The defense is all right. It's, it's not the best, but it's doing a job. They just need a few wins now, back-to-back, -back, and they could be up there. But I, th I still think that the Cowboys have got a little je ne sais quoi that will see them top the division. Yeah. I mean, if you look at what they've got left, the Giants, I mean, they've got winnable games. I mean, they, they play the Redskins. Um, they've got the Eagles to play again. They've got the Redskins to play again. They've got the Cowboys to play again. So they've got three big divisional games. They've got to play the Buccaneers. In fact, they... Yeah, they've got games they can win. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, Vern, as you know, there's nothing wrong with Eli Manning's arm. There's always been a problem with Eli Manning's legs. He's never been mobile back there. And, and the problem is, if you can protect him, he's got receivers that can get the job done, and he will find them. But the problem in the early weeks of the season was, every time he dropped back, he got a defensive player in his face. That seems to have stopped a little bit now. <laughs> so he's got a bit more time to throw, and that gives them a chance to win some games. 100%. Uh, let's talk about Vikings-Packers. This game is huge. Yeah. yeah. Bears, Bears, Bears uh, yeah. put in a few wins, but Mitchell Trubitsky is down for Thanksgiving against the Lions. Is that going to have a massive impact on the Bears team? Not only for this game, because it will for this game, but if they lose this, what impact will that have on the rest of their season? Well, you know, I think Chase Daniel will step in and do okay. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a quarterback that played under Matt Nagy when he was at Kansas City. So he knows the way Nagy's system works. So I think that's a big plus tonight. Um, I just look at the division. I think it's the Bears' division to lose. I kind of look at Green Bay and I look at Minnesota. And I know people are saying, well, whoever wins the game, they're back in it. And I suppose they are to all intents and purposes. But I think sometimes you've got to look big picture. I don't think we've seen enough from either of those teams this year to suggest that they can go and win 
all of their games. And I think if you want to be a wildcard team in the NFC, you've got to be minimum 10 and 6. And I look at Green Bay, they've got four wins at the moment. So 9, 6 and 1 is probably the best they're going to be with the tie. So I'm looking at that thinking, can they win all but one of their remaining games? Do they look like they can do that? I would say no. Is Kirk Cousins ever going to win a game for Minnesota that he needs to win? I mean, Kirk Cousins is great at getting 400 yards and four, four touchdowns against the dross of the NFL. But when you say, well, go on then, we need this one tonight. Like on Sunday night, you know, go into Soldier Field and win us the game because we're paying you all this money. He never gets it done. And that was the situation in Washington. They'd sneak into the playoffs and then he'd stink the place out when they got there. I just think he's one of those quarterbacks, Vern, that he's a bit of a flat-track bully. The numbers are there and it looks impressive. But just go and have a look how many games Cousins wins when his franchise needs him to win. And they are few and far between. And if they're going to get into the playoffs, he's going to win a lot of those the rest of the way, starting with the Green Bay Packers. I just can't see either of them making any impact this year. All right, well, Darren, you're, you're the man with the numbers. You're the man with the facts and the stats. Mm-hmm. Inside out, back to front, upside down. Give me your NFC wild card, please. Cool. I know I'm okay. throwing it on you, and I know yeah. uh, we weren't going to talk about this, but just just, just give us a few uh, minutes of NFC wild card and then AFC wild card, because I'm intrigued to know who you think is going to grab it. Well, I quite like the Carolina Panthers to get one of them. I think the Saints and the right. Panthers will both come out of that division. I think the winner of the division in the NFC East is going to be the only team that goes into the playoffs out of there, whether it be the Cowboys or the Redskins or the Giants, whatever it is. A little sneaking suspicion that, that the Seattle Seahawks might just sneak in. They're five and five at the moment. They're running the ball tremendously well. You know, they've got an opportunity to control the clock whenever they play. They're playing better defense than I thought they would. And they've got Russell Wilson, who is one of the best in his position in the league. So I'd probably go Panthers and Seahawks without looking at the schedules from the NFC. Then from the AFC, I think the Chargers are a certainty. They're seven and three. The Chiefs and the Chargers both get out of that. Darren Super Bowl pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and I quite like the Colts for it at five and five. Hey. I think I think one of the listeners stuck hey. with the question in this week, didn't yes. they? Yes. Andrew Luck. Andrew yeah. Luck is on fire. Is it fire. four games now with three or more touchdowns? Seven. What? Seven. Seven no. in a row. Three touchdowns or more. Yeah. Oh, you thought it was only four? Good yeah. grief. Well, I there know. you go. Look, Mate, I... Vernon, I'll tell you something now. If you look at the, the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs have scored 404 points this year yeah. with Patrick Mahomes. The Pittsburgh Steelers are second with 299 and the third highest scoring team in the AFC with 298 points are the Indianapolis Colts. So as an offensive unit... They're as good as anybody in the AFC not called Kansas City. So he's getting the job done. I'm going to give you a number in a little while as well that will blow your mind in terms of what they're doing with Andrew Luck. So, but I, I like them. I, th- I think they're going to get a wild card. I think, I think they might win the division yet. You know, I mean, they're, they're a good team and they're getting better all the time. I, I think Andrew Luck at the moment is the quarterback that people had hopes and aspirations that he would become. If you watch him, I mean, bearing in mind... Andrew Luck, to me, is the perfect pocket passer because he's massive. The kid is an absolute unit, and he likes the physical. We've seen all those little YouTube clips, those Instagram clips of when he gets hit. You know, he says, hey, man, good hit, picks up the defender, well played. He likes that element of the game. And if if T.Y. Hilton can put in a performance like he has in recent weeks, if they can get the running game going, they are 100% a real proposition for the Do you playoff. know what, mate? They've, they've been a lesson in how you draft. They've had a lot of bad decisions made at GM level in recent years. But now they've gone and used three picks in the last, last two drafts, decent picks, on offensive linemen. Quentin Nelson might be one of those players that will be a pro bowler for the next 12 years at guard. Ryan Kelly, the centre is a massive upgrade on what they do. So all of a sudden, you're stopping Andrew Luck getting hit, which was the big problem for him early in his career, that he was taking far too many hits. And you're limiting his effectiveness, he's injured, he's missed an entire year, etc. So they've built that team from the inside out rather than the outside in. And it's given Andrew Luck the time to do what he needs to do. I'm going to throw this at you as well. And I know Crossy will get annoyed because it's one of the topics later on. But there's been a lot of debate on our WhatsApp group around the fantasy league about who should be the MVP. And Tim, 
was pretty clear on Sunday on, on, on Tuesday after the, the Chiefs game that that's it. Mahomes is the MVP. He was brilliant through six touchdowns, etc. I don't think he's even in the top four personally. Um, but what I would say to you, the the definition of MVP is who is the most valuable player to his team in the league. And I would make an argument that numbers-wise, statistically, Drew Brees would be the MVP of the National Football League. But I can also make a case that with Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, that the Saints can win games without Drew Brees. But I would make a case that the most important player to any team in the NFL is Andrew Luck to the Indianapolis Colts. Because I think without him, they'd be 0-16. With him, they're a potential playoff team. And nobody's really talking about Luck as the MVP. Seven successive games with three touchdown passes. He's got his team at 5-5, five and five, third highest scoring team in the AFC. He's as valuable to his team as anybody in the whole of the NFL. Did they change head coach because he couldn't get Andrew Luck working? Do you think Frank Reich is the right coach for Andrew Luck and Andrew Luck is in the right offence that's going to make him or has made him productive? Vern, if you look at the NFL at the moment and you look at the head coaches with young quarterbacks, the young quarterbacks who have offensive-minded head coaches, their teams are performing superbly well. Look at the difference between Jared Goff under Jeff Fisher and Jared Goff under Sean McVay. Look at the difference. Andrew Luck under Frank Reich. It's astonishing, really. It's, 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 but it's, it's, it's obvious, though, isn't it? If you have a, well, de if you have a defensive uh, head coach, he's going to be that way inclined. Vern, I'll throw you this. Matt Patricia. Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes and, 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 and Andy Reid. Yeah. Mitchell Trubisky, Matt Nagy. I mean, look at, look at the way it goes. Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson. Yeah. But then you look at the flip side of it. Josh Allen has got Sean McDermott in Buffalo, a defensive coordinator turned head coach. Well, that's what I'm saying. Look it, at, they're struggling. Look, look at Matt Stafford. Yeah. In Detroit. Exactly. You know? Exactly. You know, and I think you look at the difficulty that Josh Rosen's had year one, Steve Wilkes, head coach of the Cardinals, former defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. Then you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, goes from New England before he gets hurt under Carl Shanahan, and you look at the Nick Mullins who's stepped in, CJ Bethard who's been effective under an offensive-minded coach. And I think that it's got to be the move. If you've got a young quarterback now, you've got to pair him with a very imaginative offensive mind. And I think that's the way that these teams are going to go. And I think the Packers, at the end of the season... We'll fire Mike McCarthy, and I think they'll go down a similar route. They will say, right, who's the best offensive mind now to get Aaron Rodgers another championship? It's worked for years in New Orleans. Sean Payton, maybe the most creative mind in the NFC. But, Drew Brees, but, every year is a factor. But also, he's not getting any younger, Aaron Rodgers. Um, no. I think this knee-back injury that he sustained over the past couple of years. I think that is going to play a pivotal part in the future of Aaron Rodgers, the stand-up pocket passer who is ridiculously accurate, who has okay. got, who's got the balls of an absolute bull when it yeah. comes to the two-minute warning. I think that you're right. I, I totally agree with you. They need someone now that yeah. can say to Aaron Rodgers, right, Aaron, stop running the offence. I'm right. going to run the offence. This is what we need to do. Right, so the one thing that Green Bay... I don't want to get all technical here because we try and avoid all this on, on, on the fumble. As we, do, we, can. we do, we do, we do. But I'm, I'm going to try and explain it as best I can. We're usually pom-poms and memorabilia. We are, we are. But all of these guys that we're talking about, McVeigh, Reed, Nagy, etc., they have what they call their own scheme, which is the way they play offence. They have a system that works and the quarterback plays their system. The best system quarterback in the NFL over the past 10 years is Tom Brady. The Patriots have a way of playing. They've got a system, and Brady plays within the system. Joe Montana used to play within the system that was called the West Coast offense. Trubisky plays within the system in Chicago that is Matt Nagy's system. He doesn't do anything himself. He plays to the system. That's what Mahomes does with Andy Reid in Kansas City. Green Bay have no system. So Rodgers makes so many plays outside the pocket, on the hoof, extending the play, making it work, and then hoping for the best. And he's got the ability to win more times than he loses, or he has had in the past. But you imagine if you put Aaron Rodgers into Sean McVay's offense, or you put Aaron Rodgers into Andy Reid's offense, 
that guy would be unstoppable because he's a better quarterback than all the others. Yeah. But he has no system. And there's far too much freelancing. And if they can find the right coach, the Green Bay Packers can win a lot of games very, very soon with Aaron Rodgers, provided he's got the discipline to do what the head coach needs him to do. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it'll be interesting and intriguing to see what happens in the off-season because I think there's going to be a lots of shifting around, lots of changes. Uh, yeah. I, I think the, the, the blueprint that Frank Wright and Andrew Luck have set in Indianapolis will be repeated this off-season. I mm. think the NFL will say, look, they've had a quarterback there who's, yeah, admittedly, he's been out with a serious injury. He's come back. They've taken, let's not forget, the Colts took their time to put Andrew Luck back on the field because they didn't want a 90, 95% Andrew Luck coming into an offense that was brand new to him, a system that was brand new, under a regime that was brand new, under a brand new head coach. They wanted Andrew Luck 100% and it's made a massive, massive statement. And I think all the best to them. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And those Indianapolis Colts down there are having a massive impact on our fantasy football league at the moment, oh. where, where you and I occupy spots <laughs> one and two in our division. Yes. And the, the good thing is, I had to send you a little message this week. I actually overtook you for the number one seed in the bye at the weekend. Yes. Did I not? Yes, you did. Did I not? And then last night you were panicking, can I make a trade? No, the deadline's passed. Yeah, well, I thought uh, that, that, that there's some, some teams in our fantasy football league yeah. who've got great players but have been absolutely garbage. Their man management yes. out of their top four draft picks has been absolutely diabolical. It's been pathetic. So they sit at like, they've only won three or four games. And I thought, you know what? Now is the time to make a move on those teams, on those guys that own those teams, who've got a decent wide receiver. Because I only have, uh, uh, let's say, eight, eight, between eight and 11 point wide receivers in my team. Uh, and it's not good. It's not looking good, Darren, for my future. Well, I've got really good wide receivers. I've got Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster and Tyreek Hill. You basically drafted the Steelers. Yeah, but I didn't. I traded. See, I, before <laughs> the deadline, I, I drafted Kamara and McCaffrey. Right. And, and then I've traded both of those as the season's gone on. And I've ended up with Antonio Brown and, and different people. Okay. It might work, it might not. But well, my, no, my number one receiver is Robert Woods. No, well, he's brilliant. He is good. He is good, yeah. but he, he never gets over fifteen points. And the fact right. that Cooper Cup has gone down, I thought you know he might have been more productive this week, but he wasn't. And then mm. I've got uh, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantlin for the Packers, who scored point eight points straight in the barrel. Straight in the barrel now. I know. And then uh, I've got uh, Adam Humphreys from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> Which, oh, it's, getting, it's getting worse, not better. I know, but his workload is diabolical, but he's getting double-digit points. I've just looked at the betting. You're out to 16-1 to 1 now, you said that. I know, it's shocking. I've, I've, also, been, I've also got Anthony Miller at the Bears, who's putting some sterling like numbers, yeah. Yeah. But, but Trubisky's gone down. Yeah, and you, you don't know who he's going to throw to, whether it's going to be Robinson, Gabriel, him. You or, don't know, really. Or a member of the opposition. Or a member of the opposition. <laughs> but I tell you what, there's a bit of school dugger in the league as well that we've got to bring to the public's attention. Uh-oh, go on. Well, we received a message, didn't we, yesterday, you and I, from our erstwhile producer and very yes, good friend, Simon Croft, who, yes, who said, did. yes, whose son Michael plays in the league as well. And Michael had a bit of a torrid start, but he's, he's, he's actually got it back on track. He's talking about man management. He's done it well. He's pulled himself back into the frame. So Crossy said yesterday, should I tank to help Michael? Well, this is a level playing field, my friend. It's disgusting. 
terrible. I pointed out yesterday, tank for Mike is nowhere near as good as suck for luck, is it? So no, that's terrible. That's it's terrible. I mean, why would you why would you tank your season for your son? I, I mean, know. you know what I mean? What kind of relationship has this guy got? It's pathetic. <laughs> I, you know, I'm actually thinking we need to put it to a league vote as to whether he's going to be allowed back in next year. Uh, well, do you know what? If, let, let's see what team he puts out, shall we? Yeah, yeah has, he got, so. has he got anyone playing uh, Thanksgiving games? Has anyone got play, anyone playing tonight? Simon? <laughs> so he's got the running back for Atlanta yeah. playing. Uh, I wonder... If he if he drops him and, and just doesn't fill the gap, that's, well, that's, that's the ultimate tank, isn't it? When he said yesterday, "Should I tank to help Michael?" My response was, "I thought you'd been tanking all season because he's, <laughs> he's only got three, he got three wins." Oh, it's it, dreadful, absolute dreadful performance. So I, I, I just thought we needed to bring that to everybody's attention that you know that's what we're dealing with on a weekly basis. We're going to have to go, skip back a couple of uh, let's say ten minutes or so in the podcast. Uh, so we've had a message from Neil Reynolds. Uh, the turkey might make an appearance tonight on the uh, no. on the Sky NFL show with the boys. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, I'm going to tell you this now. Normally, by the end of the show, right, there's still a fair bit of meat on the bird. Rob Ryan's in there tonight. I'm I was just going to say that. <laughs> Rob Rob Ryan is going to bleach those bones dry. There ain't nothing going to be left of that turkey. You know for a fact he's got a 12-foot baguette lined up and he's going to fill it with every single element of that turkey. Everything's going on there. The stuffing, the bacon yeah. that they wrapped around the legs. Everything is going on that baguette. Oh, I, I, I'm at, this is the first Thanksgiving <laughs> on, on Sky where I'm looking forward to seeing the turkey, just to see whether by the end of it there's just this carcass. Yeah. And you know for right, the has got the napkin tucked to the top yes. of his shirt. He's life. And then come, come the last dying seconds of the broadcast, he's going to take <laughs> that bib away, and you know it's going to be full of gravy anyway, because he, <laughs> Rob Ryan doesn't look like the kind of guy who wears a bib when he eats a turkey. You know what I mean? He's only doing it to be polite because he's in Great Britain. It's going to have all kinds of goo down the front. <laughs> yeah, and this is going to be the time where Neil's going to be sat in the studio with a gigantic turkey, and he's going to get that little of it. He's going to have to stop for a Mackey's on the way home. <laughs> exactly. For sure. Exactly. Oh, that's breaking news. Is Neil going to wear... A dicey Pittsburgh Steeler tie, though, just to complete it. Oh, I hope not. He'll, he'll, probably, he'll probably don a Miami Dolphins one. You never know. <laughs> right, oh, Darren, okay. let's move on to pick six, shall we? Yeah. You go first. Into the end zone for the pick six. Right, I'll go first then, mate. So, when you interviewed our very good friend, Alistair Kirkwood, Sir Alistair, did you leave the NFL office after the interview empty-handed? Oh, Darren, that's a stupid question because walking into the NFL office in London is like walking into Santa's grotto. There are there, there's 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 <laughs> gifts to be taken left, right, and centre all over the place. I didn't leave empty-handed. Okay. What I did leave with was yet another bobblehead, but this one's special. This one is special. This one is a bobblehead of God, Tom Brady, sat on what can only be described as what looks like a tree stump. So he's in the kind of theologian pose with his. Right with his head on his a clenched fist and the elbow is placed on his knee and he's holding up his five fingers. And the five fingers all relate, obviously, when this bobblehead was made, to the Super Bowls that the uh, New England Patriots have won. But behind him are five rings, five big wow. rings, rings that are the size of Brady's bobblehead. And you can place the rings on one of the fingers... Of the bobblehead, it's pretty epic. I'll be honest with you, and it looks darn oh. good in the office. There, there was a there was a there was a Tennessee Titans hat going, but my daughter oh. liked the colour. She liked the aqua <laughs> aqua blue marine colour, so that's in her in her in her wardrobe. I pitched a Tennessee hat when we did the thing in Piccadilly Circus, so I don't need one of those. That's right. All right, Darren. Here's your question on at the fumble. Simon Kirby asks, which of the five and five teams will make the playoffs? Yeah, I saw this question. Simon's a Dolphins fan and he insists I say it's going to be them, but it won't be. They're probably the weakest, I think, of all the five and five teams. He's probably, you've probably got to include the Packers at four, four five and one and, the, and the, the Vikings at five, four and one in that group as well, because they're essentially five and five as well. We've talked about it. I like the Colts in the AFC. They've got a great chance to make the playoffs. I like the Seahawks in the NFC. I think they've got a, a really good chance to make the playoffs. I think the Dallas Cowboys at five and five have got a real chance to win the division. And you can't really rule 
about Baltimore because they've got so much talent on the roster that if if they can kind of channel it all for, for the remaining games, the last six games of the season, they could sneak in too as a wild card in the, in the AFC. So I think you kind of look at those five and five teams, Vern, and there are quite a few very much in the hunt. And if the Vikings win this weekend against the Packers and go six, four and one, you know, any kind of wobble from Chicago and they might be able to sneak in. So there's probably four or five of the teams who are 500 or just ever so slightly better who could still potentially make the playoffs. And I think, you know, when we look at it, Every year we talk about the parity in the league. There aren't that many teams at the moment who are dead and buried, are there, at this stage as we go into Thanksgiving week. So it's been another great season in terms of the competitiveness. Ravens without Flacco? Well, I'm, I'm going to get to them in a minute. When I do the numbers, I've got All some right, okay. interesting on that. But I think he'll probably come back, won't he, Flacco? I, think, I hope so. I think for a playoff push, you probably want him under centre at the minute rather than Lamar Jackson, but we'll wait and see. I just think they can play defence. They've got game changes on both sides. If Gus Edwards can be the ball carrier that Alex Collins hasn't been, that gives them another dimension. So maybe we'll see. Here's one to you then. So last night, Myron Crossy's phones started vibrating and pinging <laughs> because you were sharing links on our WhatsApp group. I will let you explain. Yeah, I was on the... Uh, so today when we're recording this is Thursday. And this morning I was on the Jeremy Vine show, formerly The Right Stuff on Channel 4. Were you? Yeah. And they, you were, asking, yeah, they were asking about uh, a few bits and pieces and they talked about the London Warriors and my uh, involvement with them and how many seasons I played and, you know, the fact that I don't like to talk about winning two national championships because <laughs> that would just be ridiculous of me, wouldn't they it? They had to pull that information out of Yeah, you. I don't like showing off, but, yeah. Uh, and they said... Well, I'll be tell you, let me tell you, Lauren's just walked in with a cup of tea. I've just jumped out my skin. She yeah. came out <laughs> my right shoulder and I, I nearly followed through there. <laughs> Hi, Lauren. Right. <laughs> That's right. Shout hello to the lads. Hello. There Hi. she is. There, there she is. There she is. Anyway, go on, you were saying. Right, so uh, they asked for some clips, and I believe it or not, I, I don't have clips readily available. Uh, so I got in touch with the guy who used to work the right. film right. at the Warriors, and, yeah. uh, uh, and he sent me a clip. Now, obviously, this is a podcast, uh, so you can't see it. However, this was my first ever game against the Farnham Knights, and this is the, probably the, my first series that I played with the London Warriors. And just listen to this hit, all right? Just listen, 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 listen. Can we get that up onto the Fumble website? Yeah, so we're going to we're, we're put it up on the Twitter. On the Twitter page, yeah. We'll put it up on the Instagram as well. But absolutely yeah. lifted the kid out of his shoes. And you know what, Darren? <laughs> that, that was the moment, really, where... I was kind of accepted in the London Warriors camp, so to speak, because they all thought, a few of them thought that, you know what, the guy off the telly, he's only doing it because he's made a TV show about American football, thinks he can play a bit. And it, it, that was the moment where the ice was well and truly broken and I was welcomed on board uh, the team for getting stuck in and proper lighting someone up. So I was pinging you guys highlights of my London Warriors career. Several <laughs> interceptions in there, a couple of big hits. You know, it's always nice to, to kind of... Uh, have, a, have, a, have a flashback and get the headache back, I, I guess. Yes, it was good. I enjoyed it. You were very impressive, I've got to say. I would like to be able to sit here and say something derogatory about your performance, but I can't, <laughs> which, is the biggest, which is the biggest compliment I can pay you. So oh, that was brilliant. Uh, well, something less big, uh, fantastic performances, Darren. Uh, you and your numbers. This is becoming a thing at the Fumble. Yeah. Uh, you always have some amazing numbers, which many, many Fumbleites will not have heard anywhere before, not even on American podcasts. So what have you got for us, Darren? Right, so there's a few this week. I've got four or five. So the Saints are the first team in the Super Bowl era, so they're going back to the 60s, to score 40 points or more in six of their first 10 games of the season. So trying to go through that and break it down, we're possibly seeing the greatest ever offensive season by a team in the Super Bowl era, and that's the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to make the prediction that the Rams will go 15-1 and at the end of the season because the record of their opponents in the final six games is 19-31. and The Rams have the easiest schedule in the NFL to finish the season. They're going to be 15-1, and so the Saints can't afford any kind of slip-up if they want home field advantage in the playoffs. NFL teams are averaging 35-plus points a game in 2018. There are three of them. Three teams 
averaging 35 points or more in a game in 2018. Between 1970 and 2017, there were only three teams that did it. So we're level with that in one season. That's the offensive explosion that we've seen this year. Wow. A lot of people are asking why the Eagles wore their green home jerseys in the Superdome against the Saints on Monday. That's because Doug Pedersen uh, beat Sean Payton at golf in the summer. Yes, that's right. And the bet was if if they won, that the Eagles could wear the home kit in the Superdome. So that's why they did it. And I mentioned Lamar Jackson. This is the last one I'm going to give it to you. So at the weekend, Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens quarterback, rushed 27 times for 117 yards, which is the most by a quarterback since the AFL-NFL merger in 1970. But this is the problem. Lamar Jackson was hit 26 times in that game alone. And Andrew Luck, who we've been speaking about a lot in the, in the podcast today, has only been hit 24 times all season. You cannot play quarterback in the NFL and get hit 26 times in a game and expect to play more than three or four games. Andrew Luck's been hit 24 times all season. Lamar Jackson got hit 26 times in one match. That was, a, that, that was the downfall of Robert Griffin III. Well, he wasn't getting it that much. 26 times. That, that's a running back, isn't it? That's a running back. Yeah, yeah. Well, he did do, oh. a, lot, he did do a lot of running, and, and I, I think his peripheral vision isn't the best, I'll be honest with you. He was running no. himself into some tight spots, and there were wide receivers open that he just didn't see. Well, there you go. So, you, But you can't do that, can you? You cannot do that. No. But, I mean, all the numbers this week show what a points explosion we've had in the NFL this season, how much the offense has ruled the roost. But, again, it's going to come down in the playoffs which team can make the key defensive play in a 45-40 to 40 shootout that gets you the win. Gone are the days where the Bears are going to shut out the, the Giants and shut out the Rams and then win the Super Bowl 46-10. Those days are gone. Defence won't win championships like that now, but the defence that can make the big play when it needs one, Brandon Graham in the Super Bowl last season against the, 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 the Patriots with a strip sack, Aaron Donald with a couple of big plays the other night for the Rams against the Chiefs, those teams are going to be the ones that win out. And I just wonder if the Rams and the Saints go head-to-head again in the NFC Championship game, would Aaron Donald maybe be the decisive factor in a shootout? We'll wait and see. Darren, do you think we have the calibre of defensive stars that we've had in the past? Yes. You do, do you? Yes. So, like, standout defensive backs, standout linebackers, standout linemen? Yeah, but but they're not allowed to play anymore, are they? So, a defensive back can't put his hands on a wide receiver. Yeah. In the days of Lester Hayes, I mean, they they were committing GBH on the fellas going down the field. And I think you know, the, the way that the tackling has changed doesn't make linebackers changed. as prolific as they were in the past. Right. And, and look at look at all the all the motion and look at all of the the different offensive lineups that we see. Yeah. I mean, it's and they they get the ball out of their hands so quickly. The quarterbacks now. That's why someone like Khalil Mack is is so valuable because even in the modern NFL, he's 15 sacks a season. Aaron Donald, JJ Watt. You know the pass rusher now who can actually get to the quarterback is even more valuable than they used to be. I think these guys are probably better. You know, if you put Aaron Donald into the Bears' 46 defence, he'd have got 25 sacks a year. Oh, 100%. And, 100%. and I, I, I just don't think the rules at the minute, Vernon, you've played the game. Yeah, yeah. You've played as a defensive back. The rules don't allow you to be a dominant defensive player anymore. The NFL want dominant offensive players. Yeah. They want the quarterbacks, the receivers, the running backs to be the stars. Well, what they've and, done, what the NFL have done is they've taken away... A huge, huge, huge tool, a massive weapon that defences had in the past, and that was fear. You yeah. Know, you, wide receivers you can't would, hit anybody would anymore. fear going down the yeah. middle. They would fear that post route they, because they knew Ronnie Lott was going to stand there and he would absolutely decapitate you. That has gone now, and they can run routes for fun. And we've seen it with the explosion of points, and I think it's all down to the rule changes. Partly, so. but the fact that offences are becoming so multi-layered now. You yeah. know, you, you see trips on one side, you see twins oh. on the other, and then it flips over the other side, and then they'll go back to two running backs and two wide receivers, and then you've got two tight ends. Offences 
now are just so good. And from a fan's perspective, this is why we never get bored being NFL fans. If you know the game, uh, you don't have to really know it inside out. But if you know the schemes that the offences are running and you watch how the defences are trying to match it, these offences are so complex in the way that the running backs and the wide receivers are running routes that complement each other, but yet confuse, ridiculously confuse, the defences. And I think that's another element with the great quarterbacks, with the athletes that they have at receiver, with the defensive rule changes that we're seeing all this, uh, all this huge amounts of scoring, which you just talked about in the numbers. But you know what as well? One thing we're seeing this year, that the, the very best at what they do, so I'm thinking Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, JJ Watt, they've gone from being players, Vern, that would go out there on the field with the express intention on a Sunday to knock the opposition quarterback out of the game. Yeah. You can't do that anymore. You can't drive a guy into the turf. Yeah. You can't take his head off with a big hit. So the very best ones now aren't getting flagged like the, like the, the average ones are because they've not been able to modify their game. The very best now are bringing in strip sacks. Yeah. So all of a sudden now, Aaron Donald is getting to the quarterback and he's chopping down on his arm yeah. because he wants the ball out. Khalil Mack's got four forced fumbles this season. So Khalil Mack's worked out that as opposed to trying to run through the quarterback and get a 15-yard penalty, I've now got to get hold of him and get the ball out of his hands. Yeah. So the best ones have modified what they do. And I think over the course of the next few years, the strip sack is going to become a really important statistic in the NFL, maybe yeah. more than the sack itself. And yeah. the best ones have modified their game to do it. The ones that aren't quite at that level are still getting flagged 15 yards every time they get there. Yeah, totally agree. Before we move on, just one quick point. When Alex Smith went down, a part of me did think that it was a result of the new tackling rules on the quarterback. As controversial as it sounds, and I know, yeah, it's, happened maybe, the, yeah. and I know yeah. it's happened in the past, yeah. but when you're a defensive end going around the edge as quick as they do these days, or you're going up the middle as quick as you are, you know that you can't hit the quarterback above his chest or below his knee. So where do you go? You go straight in the middle where he falls down, you land on his leg, bosh, done. Uh, but yeah. anyway, uh, let us know what you think on at the fumble, please, on Twitter. So, Darren, what's up next? Okay, this one. If the season ended now, the Patriots firm would be in the wild card game. And they're normally a team, aren't they, that gets a bye in the first week and then gets two home games and they get to the Super Bowl. If they've got to do it the hard way this year, through the wild card route, and then maybe go on the road for. The, the AFC Championship game to either Kansas City or Pittsburgh or somewhere like that. Can this Patriots team get it done? I'm going to answer this very quickly. No. Because of all the points that we've spoken about previously, I don't think they have a multi-layered offence that can bring different schemes that is... Uh, Multiple wide receivers, multiple running backs. Yes, we have Brady. Yes, they have Gronkowski. Hopefully, he should make a comeback. But I don't think right now the New England Patriots have an offense that is versatile enough to face the very, very best. And I don't think it's going to score enough points because if you're the New England Patriots and you know that you're going to go up against some of these huge, huge high scoring teams, you're just not going to get it done. Simple as that. Uh, I agree. We mentioned your trip earlier on, Darren, to uh, the West Coast of America, visiting your friend in San Francisco. Tell me, what did you spend? What did you buy? What was the damage? Was the missus happy? Uh, this is, I wanted to sneak a few bits under the radar so she's not, <laughs> not completely aware of all of it. I think I got five caps. I'll tell you what I did enjoy the best. I went to the Beast Mode store in Oakland. That was great. I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, that was superb. That's some really cool gear in there. Um, so I bought a load of Beast Mode stuff, T-shirt, Tracky Bees, cap, different bits. And in the bottom of the bag, when I got back to the hotel, was a bag of Skittles. No Marshawn Lynch on the bag. Brilliant. So the limited edition Skittles. So I'm going to put a photograph of that up on the Twitter page for the fumble because they're great. I've got to stop the kids now opening them and eating them. So I'm yeah. Going to keep them. Yeah, I want to keep that. I, I, um, have, I have our Super Bowl M&Ms in the cupboard that are unopened and shall remain super. unopened. Yes, absolutely. Got to keep those kind of things. Yeah, uh, definitely. I got myself um, a couple of bits of the Golden State Warriors, but we're not interested in that. It's an NFL podcast. I got the great Ronnie Lott jersey. That was brilliant. Ronnie mm. Lott throwback, 1990s. Oh, love it. Bought that from the stadium. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, oh, and, then, and I was going to watch, I was gonna watch the Raiders on the Sunday, so I thought I want to wear... That kind of stadium, you've got to go in all the gear. So I thought, I need to get a Raiders jersey. So I went in the shop, and I'm thinking, which Raider player do you buy? You know, because 
they're all crap. <laughs> well, so, not only that, but everyone's job's on the line. Everyone's <laughs> job's on the line, exactly, exactly. And then, you know, you can either buy them on with, like, the, the iron-on number, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you can get the one that's got the stitch-on number. Yeah, that's, very that's nice. more authentic, right? So I'm in there, and in the corner, I mean, listen, Khalil Mack's probably going to go in the Hall of Fame, isn't he? Yeah. He's a great raider, whichever you look at it. They were selling the Khalil Mack jersey with the, the stitch-on number for 25 quid. Wow. So I got one of them. I got the 25 quid Khalil Mack because I'm thinking he's a great player anyway and I can keep that as a bit of a throwback anyway. Yep. So I got the Khalil Mack for 25 quid. So I, nice. I was I was pleased with that. that so I, I, did, nice. I, I did all right, actually. I did okay. I did okay. Good luck. Well, it a few bits, that kind of stuff. and It was great. Yeah, but next year, good. next year, you've got to come. I know. Well, next, next year, depending on how the Brits do abroad... We should definitely go. I'm just—I'm so disappointed that I've not had a chance to see Adam Dirty at the Falcons or FA at, at uh, Carolina. But it's tough for me because the missus is on Strictly, so it's difficult know. to get babysitters and, and for me to jet off, and especially with the Formula E season starting again, mm. uh, it's just been tough. So I'm a bit—I'm disappointed. I'm upset. I'm not disappointed. I'm, I'm upset. I'll be honest with you. There's so many things on that coastline mm. to do over the course of a sporting weekend. So uh, the, the opportunity on the Saturday afternoon to take a college game in. It, loads of colleges around there that you can go and see. Huge. So it's a really great part of the US at this time of year to go and do a variety of sporting events on, on, on kind of successive days and you've not really got to travel too far. But so also, also, Darren, being a massive golf fan, you've got Pebble Beach, you've got Tory Pines, you've got all those great golf courses down there. There you go. That's so your bag yeah. as well. There you go. So we could do that. You could give me a whooping around Pebble Beach. Right, here we go. Two minute warning. Are you ready, Darren? I am. I'm going to ask you this, and it's a complex one, and I think that you will like it. Maybe not a lot, but here we go. Right, we've talked about rules in the past. What one rule would you bring in? Not eradicate, not change, but bring in to the NFL. Oh, you go first. You do the first minute, because you'll have one in your mind. You know, remember in the past where you could bump a wide receiver for five yards? I would have bump and run for seven yards, because they've taken away... Any activity between the defensive back and the wide receiver downfield. You can't even put your hands on a wide receiver because that's pass interference now. Let them do it seven yards after the line of scrimmage. And I think it would be so competitive to see a DB and a wide receiver really showing their athleticism when they come off the line. I think that is a rule that should be implicated. I think that's a rule that would make it fair for defensive backs to... Uh, it would compensate the changes of the pass interference laws. Okay, I'm going to go along this route, and this is the NFL is searching for ways to get more points, more excitement, etc. I think one of the great innovations in the last uh, couple of seasons is they've moved the extra point further back. Yeah. So you're seeing more missed, it's having a bigger bearing on the game, and you've always got the opportunity to go for two. I think they should bring in various ways that you can add points on after a touchdown. So I think you should have the opportunity to try a 60-yard field goal, and that gets you four points. I think you should have the opportunity to take a shot from midfield into the end zone and that maybe gets you another seven points. I think they should change the scoring after the touchdown. They should do different things and give you different options that get you different points. So you get the extra point, you get one. The two-point conversion, you get two. The 60-yard field goal, you get three. If you do something else, you get four. So if there's a touchdown in it going down the wire, You've got a way to actually tie that game or win the game. Time's up, Darren! Pull off an exceptional play. Time's That's up! Time's up! It's a good one. I, I like it. I yeah. like it. That's and then, what I do. And then yeah. rock, paper, scissors for 10 points. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Darren, yeah. Uh, yeah. as always, my friend, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for giving us an insight into your trip on the West Coast. Really enjoyed the numbers this week. I think we've uh, put together another another great podcast and I think it's going to be really exciting now going into the backstretch of the NFL season. Playoffs are almost upon us. Can you believe yeah, it? But let, let's not jump the gun just yet. We've got uh, we've got several games to come before we uh, we get into playoff action. But as always, this has been a Shooting Shark production. Rate, share, comment, get us up the iTunes chart or wherever you get your podcast from. Darren, are you on Champions League next week? I am, uh, but we will be, we'll be doing a podcast, that's for sure. So Thank I'm on Champions League. I'm in France. I'm in Lyon on Tuesday, Paris on Wednesday, Man City Tuesday, Liverpool Wednesday. going to be fantastic. But we will make sure that we reconvene. And we've got to make this... We've got to give this what it needs now. Because when you get the Thanksgiving, that's when the season really starts, I think. So from here on in, every game matters. Every point matters. Every injury matters. And it's going to be really, really close, I think. There's three or four teams who can win the whole thing. 
One or two bubbling underneath is going to be brilliant. All right, good luck in these last two rounds of the Fancy Football League if you're taking part in any league. And we will see you next time. All right, Darren, cheers, buddy. Cheers, bud. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 